A few weeks ago, in an opening takedown attempt by Juan Adams, the former Dallas Cowboy and seemingly unanimously reviled Greg Hardy, stuffed a takedown attempt and landed a storm of strikes that gave him the win in just 41 seconds. This was Hardy's second victory in the UFC and with it, broke out into the spotlight of the heavyweight division. From the Golden State in Porterville, California, this is MMA Math. Real fighters, real fights, real discussions. With your host, Professor Diaz, and the former featherweight Bellator champion of the world and former bantamweight UFC title challenger, Joe Soto. This week in MMA Math, we'll explore football players in the big show, what makes them intriguing in this sport, what makes them viable in this sport, and what they bring to the big show that others don't. Plus, we'll take a closer look at football players that made the attempt, those who found success, and those who didn't. We'll also explore the rematch between Matt Mitrione and Sergey Karitanov, the main event for Bellator 225. Welcome everyone, I'm Roberto and I'm here with Joe. How are you, Joe? I'm doing good. Joe, before we look at the Matt mitrione Sergey Karitanov fight and what to look for in that fight, let's begin at the beginning. What is it about football players, those that are willing to take the step in becoming prize fighters, that makes them unique? What is it about them that makes us watch? For me, for instance, football was something I grew up with. It was part of junior high. It was part of high school. It was part of college. It was the main sport in most, if not all of my schooling days. So is it because of the culture here in the States that most of us, at least in my generation, probably yours as well, Grew up with football as part of our lives. What's your take on it, Joe? Yeah, I think it's definitely it's because part of our culture here in the States. That's probably the biggest sport. It's the one most people will watch and a lot of, you know, young kids love to play. I think a lot of the, you know, good athletes we have here in the States uh, gravitate towards that, that sport. One of the things about football players is that they are perceived as very tough characters. However, there are exceptions. For example, punters and kickers. They are hardly regarded as tough. They are even laughed at. Having said that, when these ex-football players step in the cage, it isn't difficult to notice how big these guys are. And it doesn't hurt that they are built like some kind of off-road vehicle. So is it their size, their physique? Are they freaks of nature in that sense? Is that why we watch? Or would we still watch if some superstar tennis player made the transition into fighting? Well, I think if that superstar uh, tennis player had a huge name, yeah, we definitely would tune in to watch that. I think we'd we just love to watch fights, people fight. So they have a name that house. But I think with the football players, it's definitely because of their, you know, the size of them, the explosiveness, uh, the athletic ability. I think that's, you know, it catches our eye. Joe, one of my old buddies played college football. And as a linebacker, he was and is a big dude. Now, the funny thing is that he always carried himself in a relaxed demeanor. I mean, he didn't seem like he was fast or explosive or anything like that. And a few years ago, we had a little pickup basketball game on a blacktop. And I was shocked to say the least. Here I am thinking, I'm just going to run my game around this giant. And instead, his agility, his explosiveness, his athleticism was just remarkable to say the least. I was like, what the hell, man? I mean, it's really deceiving. These guys are fast. Is this what makes them unique in MMA? Is it their agility, their speed, their explosiveness? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of these athletes that come out of that sport, you know, they're really gifted athletes. And 
explosive. I think the sport of football develops those those skills and and develops that explosiveness and all all these um, characteristics that we we see them in the cage with. Now, for most fighters, there's no money in fighting. It's a sport where unless you're a champion, it's going to be a while, if ever, before you start to make some real money. So why make that transition from sport like football, where the lowest paid athlete hovers around half a million dollars per year? Why put yourself through all that training? Why put yourself in harm's way? Is it the competition? Is it some sort of delusion of becoming an instant champion? Or is it simply the fact that for a lot of ex-football players, there is very little else career-wise that they can do? I think it's, I think it more than money, I think it's the competition. I think it's the ultimate competition, even more so than football or any other sport, because it's just you out there. If you win, it's because of you. Uh, if you lose, it's because of you. There's no other teammates to point at. I mean, I came, that's what I started as a football player when I was young, you know, played high school football, and then got into wrestling because it was a one-on-one sport, and that's what kind of drew me to that, the ultimate competition, and everything rides on you. Okay, Joe, so we watch because we grew up with the sport called football and referred to American football if you're not from the States. And we watch because you're just not normal in stature. They're big and powerful. And we like to see training works too, right? Now, before looking at the Bellator 225 card, I want to touch a bit on those football players who found success and which ones fell off the rails. Okay, Joe, There's been quite a few football players who turned to MMA for a career. Some are more notable than others, and some actually stuck with it for a while. The few that I can think of that are still going at it are Greg Hardy, Eric Anders, Matt Mitrione, and I think Austin Lane still qualifies in this group. But there's been others. There was Bob Sapp, Brendan Schaub, Wes Shivers, Herschel Walker, Rex Richards, and Marcus Jones. Now, those are the ones who had more than one fight. There's also those who were one and done like Johnny Morton, who got knocked out in his one and only fight in 38 seconds. And Jared Bunch, who also in his one and only fight, got choked out near the end of the first round. I think Alonzo Spellman also fits in this one and done category, but he was able to win his fight. There you are, Joe. A baker's dozen of former football players turned fighters. Now, other than Johnny Morton and Eric Anders, who currently fight as a middleweight, the rest all fight or competed as heavyweights. Is this the reason former football players get a shot? Would they get the same chance if they were lightweights or bantamweights? The size play a role. Well, I think, you know, the ones we kind of known as, you know, high-level football players, they're high-level for a reason because of their size. I think if you probably pull a lot of the um, smaller size fighters, I'm sure a lot of them probably played football in, in high school, but maybe didn't go on to play in college because of their size. So I think there's probably a lot of football players that like didn't continue on in college because they were smaller and maybe went into fighting later because that, that size didn't really matter as much, right? Bob Sapp was six foot five and almost 330 pounds. So he's a classic example where size, I think, definitely played a role. The funny thing is that he, of all the football players turned fighters, accumulated the most fights. He ended up with 32 fights and he started off pretty good. I mean, he went 10 and 3 before his luck turned and then he just went off the rails winning only two of his next 19 fights. Now, 
to compare it to another big fighter, Brock Lesnar was six foot three and 265 pounds. So Bob was like 65 pounds heavier. I mean, he was a monster. However, and even though Brock did not play a game in college or the NFL, he was momentarily signed by the Minnesota Vikings. So he can kind of sort of be included as a former football player. Anyway, if we do include him in this category, why was he successful in MMA? Why is he an exception? I think he was probably the most successful one if if we include him in this uh, because he was a Division One national champion wrestler. You know, I think that his roots more so were in wrestling, so he was it was more of an easy transition from him because that's I mean wrestling's not known like as a martial arts, but it is a martial art, and um, I think that that allowed him to have success in for sure in in, in fighting. Another former fighter and full player that found some success was Brendan Schaub. He won 10 of his 15 fights. All the others like Wes Shivers, Herschel Walker, Rex Richards, and Marcus Jones never made it past their ninth fight. Now, if you look at the numbers of these fighters, not including those that are still fighting, their success rate is under 60%. Let me ask you this, Joe. As a former fighter, as an MMA coach, where do you draw the line? I mean, when a fighter begins his career, do you just look at his wins and losses, his success rate, and say, hey, this person doesn't have it? Or does it depend more on how fast someone is improving and more on an individual basis? Yeah, I think it's more of an individual basis. Every fighter is different. Every circumstance is different. So I think it's a definitely individual basis you kind of um, examine the fight career on. Now, Eric Anders, Matt Mitrione, and Greg Hardy are still going at it. And as of now, Eric Anders is the most successful. He has a 75% success rate. Matt Mitrione is at 68%. And Greg Hardy has only six fights, so the jury's still out on him. Now, Eric Anders won his first 10 fights before the Dragon, Lyoto Mishida, in a close fight, took a split decision. He comes back and knocks out Tim Williams. And then on a day's notice, goes up in weight and takes on Tiago Santos. He did well in that fight until he ran out of gas and collapsed on his way to his corner after that third round. Joe, Eric Anders also did his homework. He officially recorded 17 fights as an amateur. So he just didn't cut the line to get into the UFC. He did some work. My question to you is, do those amateur bouts pay off? Does this give him a leg up on others who are trying to cross over? How important is it for a fighter to have that sort of an experience? Yeah, definitely. You want to, you know, there's amateur fights now. Back when I started, there wasn't. But I think um, you could take advantage of that, you know, and he was smart by doing so because you, you develop your skills. You get that in-ring experience because all these guys are athletes, really good athletes, but they need time to learn how to fight. They need to learn how to kick, punch correctly, right? Being athletic could get you so far, but you got to learn skills. You got to learn technique and and going through that process, the amateur process, and taking your time with it, you know, that kind of helps you um, get better. Okay, so the size of these ex-ball players plays a role, but it's more important to have some fighting base like Brock Lesnar does with wrestling, or like Eric Anders, who competed at an amateur level before going pro. Now, let's take a closer look at Meathead, Matt Mitrione, the other football player, and what to look forward in his fight with Sergei Karitanov in this Bellator 225 main event. Matt Mitrione, what can you say, Joe? He's a former New York Giants defensive tackle. 
He goes by the name Meathead and yet somehow was able to negotiate a deal with Bellator that I believe doubled what the UFC was paying him at the time. Joe, in negotiating deals, what do you think is more important, your record, your notoriety, or just having a good manager? I think it's a combination of all three. You know, I think all of them could help. So if you go all three, definitely in a better position. Obviously, the, uh, you can't really get a big name unless you're coming from a different sport uh, without all the wins, right? You got to you got to win, develop your name, and and you got to win fights in in big fashion. But you got to have somebody you know to help you too, like a manager to guide your career, give you good fights, and and build you up. So, combination of all three is the best way to do it. Now, Matt has thirteen wins and six losses. But half of those losses were against some great fighters like Roy Nelson, Czech Congo, and Ryan Bader. And he's been fighting for 10 years now. In fact, other than Bob Sapp, he's got the most fights and the toughest opposition of all the ex-football players. This fight is also a redo, though, as their first fight was stopped in 15 seconds due to Matt landing a kick right on the goods. Joe, have you ever been hit like that during a fight? And how difficult is it to recover and does it affect how you continue during that fight? I've I got lucky. I've never been hitting the goods. Uh, <laughs> I don't even think in training, accidentally, I've never really been hit. You know, so I can't really comment too much on that experience. That it looks like it's painful. Thankfully, I've never had to you know experience that through uh, in a fight during a fight. But I mean, we've all been hit there at one point or another. Oh yeah, I'm <laughs> sure it would be hard to come back from. Uh, and that that kick. Like really vicious. I mean, uh, I don't blame him for not being able to c- continue on. That I don't know if anybody could have. With, they got hit pretty good there. You know, I think Matt embodies the full player mentality in fighting in the sense that not only is he perceived as a tough dude, but he lives it. I mean, if you want to take a peek at his personality, just watch the Tough 10 show and watch him walk the line and barely contain himself from challenging his coach, the former champion Rashad Evans. The funny thing is that Rashad was like, whatever, dude, don't even try. I'll just bust you up and retire before your first fight ever happens. Incidentally, I believe it was Rashad Evans during that show that gave him that nickname of Meathead. Anyway, that mentality, Joe, that self-belief that that I'm tougher than you, that I don't care if you're the champion, the mindset of I can beat up anyone. How big of a factor is that in the mindset of a fighter? How much does that attitude affect his opponent? Yeah, no, definitely, you know, if you have that confidence and sometimes it can be naive, a naive confidence, it'll take you a long way. Sometimes you could even think you're better than you are and, and you can still get a long way with that. Um, confidence in this sport is, is is a big factor going into fights. Joe, as I was saying earlier, the athleticism of these big four players is deceiving. I mean, Matt is very light on his feet. He's very fast, powerful and explosive. He's also improved a lot in all areas of fighting, but I think it's exactly those things that brought him over from football, especially his explosiveness that are his strongest attributes as a fighter. What's your take on Matt's skill set? Yeah, he's definitely, I think, being being a, a former you know football player, former college athlete, those things definitely help in the sport of mixed martial arts. But not only that, I mean, he's refined his skills. He's picked up the game. He's you know, did it the right way. He's been in the game for a long time. So now he's not just like a former football player. I think he's, you know, he's a, a for sure um, legit MMA fighter now. In this fight, he's facing a very experienced Russian, Sergei Karitanov. Sergei is a boxer, kickboxer, and has been in there with Antonio Noguera, 
Alistair Overeem, Fabrizio Verdum, Josh Barnett, and Roy Nelson, to name a few. He was also in there with one of your fighters, Javi Ayala. Now, Javi knocked out Sergey in like 16 seconds. But in preparation for that fight, and for as long as that fight lasted, what can you tell us about Sergey's game? Uh, he's, he's, you know, legend in the sport, great fighter, well-rounded, uh, beautiful technique. He's a, he's a really a really tough fighter. I was, I was nervous for my cousin going into that fight. Sergey's really a, a dangerous fighter, and, and a, you know, like I said, he's, he's a beast. Speaking about Javi, he's scheduled to take on the former belt or heavyweight champion Vitaly Minikov. And I think that's in the co-main slot on this card. Javi's also coming off this big win over Frank Mir. And if he wins this one, he's as close as to a title shot as any other top heavyweights. How's camp going so far? It's going good. You know, he's been in the gym since his last fight, so he hasn't really really stopped. He's been getting better. He's just getting better everywhere. Seeing big improvements. Yeah, I'm excited to watch him go compete. It's going to be a tough fight. Uh, I'm excited to see him uh, come out victorious for sure. Joe, Sergey has a lot more experience in combat sports. He fought for Pride, Dream, Strike Force, M1 Global, K1. And this is going to be his fifth fight with Bellator. In fact, he went 7-4 and four as a kickboxer. And this will be his 37th fight in MMA. So I think it's safe to say that Matt cannot match his skill set. I mean, Sergey has been in combat sports his whole life. Having said that, Sergey had more experience than Javi too, and Javi finished him. So what can Matt do to win this one? I mean, you just got to go out and be your best and, and compete and believe in yourself. And with these fights, especially at heavyweight, anything happened when whoever lands a punch, that could be the last punch thrown. So everybody has a chance. Everybody's human. And, um, you know, that's why I told Javi too. And um, so, yeah, I mean, just go out there and be confident and put it all, put it all on the line. Okay, so those attributes that made him an NFL player are the attributes that he must use in this fight to be successful. And even though Sergey has a more experience and the better skill set, it's the explosiveness, the agility, the speed, and the confidence that can throw off a veteran like Sergey. He must also do this quickly. He will not let Sergey settle and then get comfortable. Okay, if you like this show, please go to your favorite platform and support our show. You can subscribe on any of the major platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Again, we can be found at MMAMath.xyz. And that does it for today. Thanks for listening. Until next time, fight on.